Welcome to the Brian Thomas Crop Podcast. My name is Brian Thomas Crop, and I believe that stories have a tremendous power for good. And so I write them and I enjoy sharing them with you. If you are new to the podcast, welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, how uh, this show rolls is there's a, a reading from a book that I have written. Uh, and uh, this one is called Showdown in the Yukon. We're going to read chapter 40. If you'd like to swing all the way back to chapter one, you'll find that at episode 17. And then on the other side of uh, that chapter, we'll get into some uh, either behind the scenes or how to write a book or other ramblings of my brain um, and just kind of get a little bit of a director's commentary for what on earth I was thinking uh, to write what I wrote. Um, so I hope you uh, will stick around for that. Uh, where we are in Showdown in the Yukon is that they're, uh, you know, assuming that you're not going to go all the way back to chapter uh, episode 17. Um, there's been a long adventure to get us to this point. And if you're a long time listener of, of this show, you're probably sick to death of hearing this, uh, this summary. It's, it's, it's close. We're close. It's, it's only 47 chapters. We're really close to the end. But there, needless to say, there's been a long uh, adventure uh, getting a quartet of folks from California up to the Yukon Territory in order to secure a property that was stolen from a, a widow named uh, Mrs. Gladys Finch and her daughter, Lucy. There is uh, a couple of guys, one named Monterey Jack Danvers, and the other one is Max Sutherland, both of whom are ex-thieves uh, and con men who used to work together and separately decided uh, that they were going to go straight and be law-abiding citizens, but have been brought in to this to kind of see if they can help. And um, this, the, the property right now uh, is as secure as it can be, but there's still the question of a gold claim. And if a person can uh, have that, then they have more right to the land than other people. And so that is currently what's in question. As far as Mrs. Finch knows, it's on the loose and it needs to be found. As, as far as the readers know, Monterey has it. And uh, last episode, uh, he handed it over to the townsfolk who are wanting um, some of the, the funds from this mine to help pay and rebuild their town. So uh, we'll see what happens with that. Um, yeah, I think that's that pretty well catches us up for, for this chapter. Thanks for tuning in. And we will get to chapter 40 in Showdown in the Yukon right after this week's sponsors. Well, I am excited to let you know that Shell Game, the sequel to Showdown in the Yukon, is now available at Amazon. It is available in Kindle and paperback and hardcover. And Shell Game tells the story of a private detective named Evan Gold who works in a small Kansas town. And there have been three mysterious murders that have happened. And he needs to unwind all of the mystery, find the person or persons behind the murders before the police nab him for all of them. They think that he is at the center of all of it. And he does run into the pearl, the same pearl that Monterey Jack uh, has run into in Showdown in the Yukon. 
and you'll just have to pick up the book to find out uh, the interaction between uh, the pearl and evan so swing over to amazon tell your friends about it grab a copy for yourself you can also uh, read it for free over at brianthomascrop.com but i'm so happy to be able to share uh, this next installment in the pearl saga with you and with that on to our chapter this week Chapter 40 The morning light poked Monterey's eyes open. It had been far too little sleep, and the substitute bed he chose left him stiff in his neck and spine. He forced his eyes open, squinting, until his eyes got reacquainted to the light. Monterey saw Mac, his hair mussed and shirt untucked, standing at the window looking at something. It was the first time in all his experience with Mac to see him so unkempt. So he is human after all, he thought to himself. Good morning! he said out loud to Mac. There was no response. He tried his greeting again in case he had imagined saying it the first time. When there was still no answer, Monterey unfolded himself from his chair and stood right by his distracted friend. What's going on? Monterey asked, standing next to Mac. If he didn't reply this time, Monterey thought, he would assume he was dreaming or a ghost. Mac was startled to see Monterey standing there. When did you get here? Good morning, Monterey smiled. I wouldn't press my luck. Max said and turned his attention back to the fascinating event happening outside. Monterey moved his focus out the window as well, and the sight drew his heart right into the center of his throat. At the gate of the property, Buck and the town elders were assembled, making another attempt to persuade Mrs. Finch. She was once again armed with her shotgun, and, based on the straightness of her spine and how far back her shoulder blades pressed together, there was very little progress in a positive direction. What are they saying? Monterey asked. I can only hear murmurs, said Mac, but it doesn't look good. I heard her stomp down the stairs, and then she bolted through the door about five minutes ago. Where's Hank? Mac only shrugged. Monterey rolled his eyes. This is stupid, he said. You'll get no argument from me. I'm surprised to see you. I thought you left for good. How did your escapade go last night? I can only guess this has something to do with it, Monterey said. Just then he saw Buck pull out a large piece of paper and hold it over his head. Instantly, Mrs. Finch lowered her gun, but then raised it to her eye in a flash as if she would use it on anyone standing there if not all of them. Monterey bolted for the door but stopped cold on the top step of the porch. "'What's going on, Mrs. Finch?' he shouted at her. Mrs. Finch spun around and Monterey ducked behind the railing in case she fired at him. He knew it was a bad idea to scare someone with a gun and chastised himself accordingly. "'They stole it!' she cried. They came into this house and they stole it. It's mine and they stole it. What did they steal? asked Monterey, still hiding behind the railing, stalling for a way forward. The claim. I don't know when or how, but they have it. Those two-faced backstabbers have it. Monterey poked his head out and saw she was enough in her right mind now that she would not intentionally fire on him. He decided to walk toward her calmly and asked, What do they want? The same highway robbery plan they proposed the other day, except now they are threatening to hijack my claim to the mine and the rest of the property unless I accept their demands. If I accept them, they say I get my claim document back, but you can't trust thieves. Monterey felt her words sink like a knife in his chest. "'It's just a compromise given the circumstances,' shouted Buck. She raised the shotgun in Buck's direction. "'Keep your peace, heathen!' 
she said, and then turned back to Monterey. Do something, Mr. Danvers. It's all I have left in the world. Stop talking like that, Mrs. Finch. That's a lie, and you know it. She looked like Monterey had slapped her across the face. He continued, You have Lucy, you have Mac, you have Hank, you have me, you have people who will take care of you. This property is not all you have. Her eyes narrowed. It's all I have left of my husband. He promised to grow old with me and that this land would be where we would finish out our time in this world. Well, he's gone. He's not coming back. And you can just snatch me up bald-headed if I give this all up without a fight. Monterey had no words and silently wished the pearl would help out his thoughts. He knew he needed to say something, so he opened his mouth and hoped the right words would fall out. I understand, but, he started slowly, but if you pay them what they want, there is a chance to live at peace, where you can come and go freely. If things stay as they are, we all starve or die at the point of a gun, and they get the whole place for themselves. He's right, came a voice above and behind Monterey. He turned around to the house and saw Mr. Moody sticking his head out of a second-story window. You don't have to wait for the others to end this. Others? asked Buck. You mean the ones sending the smoke signals we've seen the past two days? Monterey could see he was quickly losing Mrs. Finch's attention. Mrs. Finch, look at me. He lowered his voice. Hank's right. Your kin are coming here ready for a fight. Why not surprise them with a celebration instead? Monterey, Buck shouted. I thought you said this would bring her around. He shot a look at Buck, not believing he would play the cards in his hand in such a clumsy way. What does he mean? asked Mrs. Finch. Monterey turned back to his boss. He knew he had a very narrow window before he was left to twist in the wind by Mrs. Finch and the town elders. He stared hard into her hard eyes. In one moment, he saw all his respect vanish from her face like a vapor. I did what you hired me for, he began. I stole it. I gave it to them because I hoped it would snap you out of this greedy and foolhardy path you seem committed to. I did not steal it to harm you or to separate you from this land. He finally stopped when he realized that the longer he talked, the more the anger behind her eyes grew. Please forgive me, was all he could think was left to say. They stood there facing each other for many moments without a single word between them. Monterey knew he needed to stand his ground, but was not sure he was not about to get shot. Mother! came a voice behind him. Her voice was like a handful of fresh water in the brutal desert. Monterey turned to see Lucy running down the porch steps toward them. Even though she looked weary and in need of a meal or two, she was still as much a delight to his eyes like the first time he saw her in the Hayes house parlor. Mother, she said again, reaching them. Mr. Sutherland just filled me in. What are you doing here? Are you alone? Mrs. Finch asked, her anger softened a touch. I ran ahead of our kin to warn you. She raised her voice so that everyone there that morning could hear. News that the vile Cornelius Brown met his end has been spreading like wildfire from this region and beyond. The band of pirates keeping camp near the coast have heard of the gold reserves here and have been communicating through smoke signals to bring more of their kind to pillage the mine, the town, the whole region. Our kin are due to arrive here tomorrow to fight for what is ours. A day after that, the pirates will likely be upon us. 
I know there is bad blood between our parties at the moment, but I think it would be to everyone's benefit to band together instead and fight our common foe. Between our family, the good people of Penny Canyon, and the ranchers to the south, if we can unify in this effort, we stand a chance to be victorious against this threat. No one spoke for a while as each party absorbed this news from Lucy. The first to speak was Buck. Mrs. Finch, our people are willing to lay aside our current dispute to fight this enemy with you. The entire council of the town elders voiced their agreement as well, saying, Whatever our differences, it does us no good if they win this land and leave us with nothing. Mrs. Finch still stood resolutely. Mother, said Lucy, do you agree or not? I agree, she said, if. If what? asked Lucy. If this thief, she almost spat the word, never again sets foot on my property or shows his face in my presence. Monterey realized this was the best deal he was likely to get at this point. Though the shame of betrayal choked in his throat, he bowed his head and made his way toward the gate. As he walked, he breathed a sigh of relief that there was a standoff in the war. He also hoped beyond hope that something similar would happen before the pirates waged a new war on all of them. So things are not going well for dear Monterey, though <clears throat> I guess arguably he's somewhat getting his way-ish. Um, I was reminded in listening to this of a, um, it's a list, it's somewhat well-known, but if you don't know about it, uh, I guess Pixar, uh, the makers of Toy Story and Monsters, Inc. and The Incredibles and who knows what all else at this point, uh, they have a list of 22 rules for storytelling. And uh, number 19 says that coincidences get characters into trouble, and that's fine, but uh, using coincidences to get them out of trouble that's called cheating. Uh, and so um, in this one, uh, there are several coincidences that get Monterey into trouble. Uh, there is um, uh, Hank shouting from the window that more people are coming, which kind of sets everybody on edge. And then there's uh, the big one where Buck lets it out of the bag that uh, Monterey has given them the deed to the land and uh, all, all the things that transpire out of that. I was realizing when I was listening to this story that this is a, I don't know if I would call this a plot device or what it is uh, to put that in there where you think things are kind of going one way and then somebody just does a complete 180 out of the clear blue. You're like, what are you doing? Uh, this is a theme that I have seen uh, play out in a lot of my writing. Apparently, this is something I like to do. Um, there is a, a moment in uh, this, this play I wrote about uh, King Saul in the Old Testament where um, uh, he is, he's been told by the prophet Samuel that he needs to wipe out this entire army, everybody, just everybody, animals, everybody. And he doesn't. He he holds on to uh, a few of the choice animals, and he does not kill the king of this other uh, army. And uh, the prophet shows up, say, "Hey, how's it going? Uh, how the how the battle go?" And then he hears um, 
a sheep off in the distance. And he says, what are the, what is the sound of animals that I hear? And of course, then Saul has the excuse of like, well, I was saving those to sacrifice to the Lord and uh, things do not go well from there. But in my mind, there's this, there was almost like for the actors who were doing this, this play uh, that I wrote, um, there was, in my mind, there was no length of time too long for the silence just to stay there of, there's a gap in the dialogue, you hear the sheep, and then there's just this look from Samuel to Saul, and then what on earth is Saul gonna say? Because he knows what the, the right thing was. And I feel that same kind of thing with this of, you know, Buck says, I've got the deed, and just the look, in my mind, the withering look that, um, that Monterey gives him, just like, what are you doing? Um, but this kind of uh, thing apparently shows up a lot. Apparently, I like this kind of like surprise um, thing going on. But I think for this story in particular, there's been this tenuous trust between Mrs. Finch and Monterey that he's been working very hard to build. I don't know that he likes Mrs. Finch all that well, but he is certainly trying to win her trust. Uh, he hasn't made any advances on Lucy. He has tried to do what he's been asked to do. He has uh, tried to befriend her, all these things. And partly, I think, out of this, I, I want to help you out. I'm trying to use the, the deed claim as, as a way to maybe snap you out of stuff. And then it gets just handed, handled so poorly. Um, you just see all the trust uh, run out. And I think that is often the case for us that there are people that we're trying to build trust with and maybe we have maybe it's been years of building trust and then it can all just come crashing down all at once and that if you know let's pretend that mrs finch and monterey are real people you might be able to ask monterey like if you had to do it over again how would you handle that differently so that you know you could still uh, you know, I don't know that stealing the the deed and handing it over was necessarily the best idea, but it was an idea. So, you know, that's the way it goes. And I think we have lots of regrets that way. And so that's why forgiveness and asking for forgiveness and humbling ourselves and, and telling other, you know, it's not going to rebuild the trust in a day. But if we will humble ourselves and go to those people and say what I did was wrong and it was a sin against you and probably a sin against other people, uh, will you forgive me? It goes a long way. It doesn't fix it, but it does go a long way to start rebuilding that trust again. Uh, so uh, I don't know if you have any uh, folks that uh, you have damaged relationships with that it would be good for you to um, maybe ask the Lord, are there people that I need to, to ask forgiveness of? And then give them a call, uh, send them a text, uh, something to uh, bridge that gap just a little bit and then see if you can't uh, call a spade a spade and say the thing that I did was wrong, um, even if it was years ago. Um, and will you forgive me? And then it's on them. You know, they can forgive you or not forgive you, but um, you've done what you can do uh, to make that relationship uh, as clear and as clean as possible. Um, so 
if that's where you are, um, I'm praying that you are able to make that that step uh, towards having uh, full and good and right relationships in the future. And as far as this story goes, the time still tells. It's chapter 40 out of 47. So uh, we will see what happens uh, on into the future with uh, Monterey and Mrs. Finch. But that is where we will leave it for uh, this episode. I hope you have enjoyed it and that uh, you will go over to the places and leave all the ratings and reviews. Um, I can't say it enough. I really hope you pick up the sequel to this called Shell Game or swing over to uh, brianthomascrop.com and read it there. I I think you'll really, really enjoy it. Um, But with that... I hope you have a tremendous week and I hope to see you back here next time.